you can totally do this. You have to pause and ask yourself, what is the story I'm telling myself here? And more importantly, is that story true? We don't want the thing. We think we want the thing, but what we really want is the feeling we think the thing is going to give us. It is that simple. It is that complicated. It is so much easier than you think it's going to be. Clarity in what you want, confidence in who you are, and the courage to stay true to both. This is To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) Okay. Did you miss me? (laughs) It's only been, what, like five months since I last dropped a podcast here for you? How are you? Welcome back. I missed you. I think the last time we spoke was when I was just about to release my book into the world to call myself Beloved, a story of hope, healing, and coming home. And guess what? Uh, in case you haven't been in my in my space on my online community, my little corner of the internet on Instagram at Lise Wilcox or my website, LiseWilcox.com. Or TikTok. I just joined TikTok. Maybe you, maybe you're one of the nine follow, nine people following me on TikTok currently. Um, I released the book and it absolutely became a bestseller. And it is like one of those, whew, one of those moments. We hit bestseller in um, mental and spiritual wellness as well as self esteem. And I mean, I was really, really honored. I'm really, really proud. I'm just about to release a. Uh, like a holiday self-love gift bundle to support the book through the holidays as a, as a special, uh, a little, a little something extra, you know, the feedback on the book has been so good. And not only were the media reviews good and people writing on Amazon, like those reviews were really good. And people are sliding into my DMs almost every day telling me that the book has had an impact on their life. And, you know, that is the ultimate metric of success that it's doing its job. Um, I think I've said before that for me, I imagined this book was like taking a handful of pebbles and just throwing them out into like literally across the world. Um, and watching the ripple effects of changing the global conversation on emotional health and self-love. And just a few months after its release, I'm watching it happen. So I've gone back and have created a product line, ooh la la, um, complete with a journal and pen. It comes with a copy of the book, um, this really cute tote that says, yes, you fucking can, as well as a mug, same thing, says, yes, you fucking can, because I don't know about you, but like... I want grace and caffeine (laughs) in the morning. I want to know. I just want to feel so grounded in my own abilities first thing in the morning. So obviously a mug is going in there Um, as well as a little bonus tissue pack just in case, because if you are familiar with the book, if you've read the book, if you've even heard me talk about the book, you know, there's some work to be done. It gets real. It gets real and raw and it's nice to have some tissue on hand just in case. So that's what I've been up to. I've also, man, it's just been such, who knows what we've all been up to. Time has really flown by. My business has grown so much and it's required so much more of me to grow it and scale it in a way that not only feels authentic and, um, exercises my own or aligns with my own value of integrity in a way that is uniquely my own, and and also allows me to stay present with my family and still take care of myself as a single parent of three, right? So 
It's been a busy few months and the podcast, unfortunately, kind of fell by the wayside. So I'm really, really happy that we're back here together. I will tell you that because of all the changes happening in my own business and my own growth, I have decided that this will be the final episode of To Call Myself Beloved. That's a little bit bittersweet. I feel like I've said everything I need to say. <laughs> I've said everything I need to say um, in this context after today's episode, and it's a it's a very good one. Um, but I feel like this really wraps it up with what we're talking about today, which incidentally is all about the self-commitment ceremony I had just over this past weekend. Naturally, I'm going to get into the details of what that is and, and the why of why I did that. But I think you're going to... I think you're going to feel full circle from the origin story of this podcast all the way through to the kind of the closing ceremonies of this podcast with my self-commitment ceremony. Um, And I have decided to start a second podcast to almost replace this one or kind of to pick up where this one leaves off that is really a genuine reflection of what I'm doing now in my business um, and what I'm learning more of in my life. And I'm, I'm really really excited to share it with you. I do have a working title. I haven't yet checked if it's even available, so I'm not going to share it with you yet. But let me tell you, my next podcast is going to be basically everything you need to know about life. I'm <laughs> just to say it loosely. But anyway, I really value your time. I really value the fact that you're choosing to spend your time here with me. So I want to get right into this. And I want to tell you that for this final chapter of this podcast, we are talking about a self-commitment story. Now, where did this come from and what is this, you might ask? Well, I'll be really real and really honest and incredibly vulnerable with you. As I've alluded to, I've probably even said a couple times outright, for me, for a really long time, it feels like a really long time, being single at 39 has been a huge pain point and looking around at my life like this beautiful family and this incredible purpose-driven passion-driven service-oriented work I get to do it it feels so good and it feels so holistic and I'm so proud to have overcome every single thing I've overcome and that has brought me here and I'm starting to watch you know the masculine definition of success really catch up to the feminine definition of success. And it's so satisfying. I can't explain it. And still upon reflection, even not that long ago, just a couple months ago, I really was feeling this profound sadness still. And then I was starting to beat myself up like, oh my God, how are you still sad? Like, you know that you're a whole complete independent person why is the weight of being single so hard for you to carry? At one point in my life, I did have one point in my life, one point in the last five years, I definitely assigned a false timeline, which a lot of people in the manifesting community or law of attraction, whatever, whatever feels best to you, resonates best for you. A lot of people will be like, you can have whatever you want. Set a timeline, get really clear on the vision, like focus on the goal and it'll happen. And 
that's not true. That's not how it works. It's a little more complicated than that. And in my second podcast, I'm actually going to explore so much more of that because I think that there's an industry really doing people a large disservice and giving false information, which is setting people up to fail over and over and over again. And then invariably they come to me as my client and they're like, holy shit, like two sessions in two hours into a breakthrough day. And all of a sudden, like, I feel better. Like this was the missing piece. So that's definitely a strength and a talent of mine that I would like to share in a different capacity in a different way here. Obviously it's not the same as coaching, but I have insights that I feel like are worthy of sharing and are really valuable for you to hear on your way to work or while you're cleaning your kitchen or walking your dog, whatever you're doing right now. Anyway, so I had let myself subscribe to the notion of like, I'm just going to pick a timeline. I'm going to get very clear on the vision. I know how to do all the subconscious work. I know how to make sure I'm in alignment with my values. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know how to release limiting beliefs. I know how to do all this stuff. So I did all this stuff. I released all my fears. I released my limiting beliefs. Like I healed and I identified and I went through old patterns and I interrupted them, et cetera, et cetera. And I picked a deadline, which was stupid and I was just misinformed. I should say, And I decided that by the time I was 40, I was going to be married again. And the the problem with setting a timeline like that is that it's really arrogant to think that you're the only creator of your life. You know, I think that we are a co-creator of our life, which means to say that I really genuinely believe that our soul comes into this lifetime with a purpose. And I believe, you know, this might sound totally far out or you might be totally nodding your head. I really believe that before we descend onto the earth, we make some kind of a soul contract or soul agreement that lies out exactly what we're going to do in this lifetime and what we're going to learn and what we're going to achieve. Um, And I don't mean achieve in like the material wealth sense, but really what we're going to accomplish for our soul's purpose. And then I think everything that happens along the way is just, it's almost like, I wouldn't call it fate. I would call it an agreement. And every lesson we learn, every challenge we have, every every obstacle we overcome, every amazing intimate moment we experience, every laugh, every moment of wonder, every time we get the chills, every time we have have one of those like quantum leap moments, or we have we experience something that is just like you are not going to believe what just happened to me. I really believe all those synchronicities add up to be a part of our own divine plan. So when we say something to the effect, least of, well, I'm going to be married by the time I'm 40, and then we do all the right things to get there, we forget how masculine driven that is. We forget how much feminine energy is also required. And that feminine energy demands that we sink in, that we surrender, and that we flow. And a huge part of that surrender and flow and that like juicy sinking into our own bodies, it demands that we release attachment from a timeline. Because when you give yourself a timeline and it's like, okay, I'm going to make this much money by this date, or I'm going to do this wild thing by this date, or I'm going to get married by the time I'm 40, which is totally a thing I just created in my head. And then it doesn't happen if it doesn't happen because it might not be aligned with the timing of your soul's plan and your own divine purpose and all the lessons you need to learn along the way while I would argue for relationships while somebody else is also going through their own divinely orchestrated plan and their own soul's timing. There's so much alignment that has to happen. And I don't think that we're in conscious control of that. So when you set a deadline, like I'm going to get married by the time that I'm 40, 
in addition to launching like, you know, a six figure coaching practice and writing a best selling book and, and solo parenting three kids like, and, 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 sometimes we set ourselves up for failure because we are creating an expectation that isn't necessarily ours to create. So I was giving myself some compassion and some grace for having set that, set up this weird timeline. And I released that. And still, still, as I was coming to this deep acceptance of like, okay, I'm turning 40 in May. And, um, for me to be married in like I'm recording this November 11th. So that's like literally six months away. That means I have to meet somebody and date and acclimate to two lives combining and make sure they're a perfect stepdad for my own children and then get engaged and then get married within six months. And frankly, I'd like to enjoy the process a little bit more than that. So I'm releasing that timeline. But as I was releasing that timeline and really coming to accept that for for reasons beyond my conscious control or knowledge, I am single and it's time to not only embrace that, but really lean into how okay that is and how it's not a failure. It's not, it's not anything. It just is what it is. And still I couldn't shake this feeling. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to put on my own coach hat and coach my damn self because something isn't right with this storyline. Something isn't right with this narrative. Like this doesn't align for me. And so I was starting to do some of my own healing modalities and my own NLP techniques on myself. And I started to ask myself some really hard questions. And one of those questions was <laughs> one of my favorites. What is the story I'm telling myself? And when I allowed myself the genuine self-awareness, that like raw self-awareness to go deep into my shadow space and bravely turn on the light, I realized that the story I'm telling myself is or was that no one ever chose me. And that I was terrified of never being chosen. This is so much more than being single. Frankly, I love, I fucking love being single. Like being single is pretty awesome, actually. And having been through the, the pandemic for the last, I don't know, 85,000 months, I thought this was going to be the worst experience of my life. And it, it really hasn't been. And so there's so much about being single that I love. There's so much about single about being single that I'm so proud of and that just feels so honoring of my own life's path and my own experience so far. And when I allowed myself that space, as I encourage every single person to do to create that safe haven for yourself, that safe space to go deep with what you're actually feeling, because our feelings are only feedback and that feedback is always giving us insights as to what still needs to be healed. When you ask yourself that question as I did, what story am I telling myself here? And that story was oh shit, I'm terrified I will never be chosen. I then had to ask the follow-up question, is that story true? Now, as you've heard me say before, the subconscious brain, subconscious mind, it's designed to keep us safe. It's designed to protect us. And it also loves status quo. So it keeps doing the same patterns over and over again that it thinks is keeping us safe, that it thinks will, it will keep us protected even if they no longer serve it, serve us, we keep following the same patterns and beliefs over and over again until we consciously decide to change that. And part of the way in which, or one of the ways in which we can change that is to look for social or conscious proof that what we want exists, or we look for proof to disprove what we already thought to be true, which I know is a little clunky, but let me try to say that kind of in a different way, but kind of similarly as well. We have to look for proof 
in our environment that what we want exists. And we use that proof to disprove what we believed to be true and instead use it to prove what we want to believe to be true. So as soon as I identified, like, for example, I know I had a client once who was um, like a curvy woman, as, as am I, a curvy woman. And she was, I had an old, 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 outdated limiting belief that like curvy, larger women cannot be successful or revered. So we naturally did a lot of subconscious work to work on that releasing, to identify that story, to learn the lesson, and then to release from the attachment to that story and the pain, right? And one of the conscious ways that we help to heal that wound is to look for proof of the opposite. So for her immediately, I was like, you know, toot toot, but like, I'm a larger woman and I'm pretty successful and like, I'm funny and like, I'm revered, like I have a great community. So like, let me be your social proof that you don't have to be a size two to experience joy and success and pleasure and fun. And then we were like, you know, Oprah, um, Adele at one point, like there are so many examples, but all I'm just using this as an example that this is part of the work. We start to look for social proof that what we want exists and we use it to disprove what we believed to be true in order to improve what we want to be true to be true. Makes sense, right? <laughs> so for me, I was like, okay, so let's look for proof. Like, is this story true that I will never be chosen? And I looked back on my life and this is where it gets like dark, right? And I was like, oh shit, my mom didn't choose me when she decided to leave our family. My stepmom didn't choose me when she chose to abuse me for a lot of years. My father didn't choose me when he chose to ignore and overlook both of those really traumatic events. My friends didn't choose me when I was going through an incredibly painful experience of my life. Like it goes on and on. And suddenly I was getting to into this like real victim state in my own life that like, oh shit, it kind of is true that nobody's chosen me. And I started to get to that place of like, uh oh, this is a deep fear. And it, I do have proof that it exists. And then as tends to happen when we are in those deep meditative, reflective states, I got this little download. I got this beautiful awareness. I get shivers now just thinking about it, just like I got shivers at the time. I heard that beautiful voice pop up that told me, you chose you. And it made me take pause. It made me get out of my own story and get out of my own head and come back to a very beautiful, grounded and centered reality that has experienced a lot of healing and a lot of release. And again, I heard that voice tell me, you chose you. There's this notion that you are never alone. And in my darkest moments of being single, when somebody would say to me, this was at the, also the very, very beginning of my spiritual journey, when somebody would say to me, you're never alone. I would get so mad and like have a big emotional tantrum, be like, I'm alone right now. Like you can't tell me I'm never alone. Until I deepened my own spiritual connection and started to understand appreciate, embrace, and really embody that concept that, wow, we are never alone. We always have resources to call on who will be there to support us and love us. And this is one of those moments where I truly felt like, oh my God, instantly I'm not alone. I'm really surrounded by love and affection. And again, that voice reminded me, you chose you. 
And I will share with you, and forgive me if this is getting even too vulnerable. I feel like some people are going to think this is cringy, but I feel like there's going to be many, many, many more who really need to hear this message. Um, I will share with you that I loved being married. I really loved it. The marriage didn't work out and that is what it is. And it's like the marriage not working out was a really, really good thing. Uh, lots of pain, yes, but a really good thing. I was joking with my friend Shaney Silver on her podcast, A Single Serving, that like, I don't know anybody who regrets leaving their marriage. It's not like, you know, there's an inclination if you are the one leaving a marriage that the person who's being left is going to be like, this is the biggest mistake of your life. You're going to regret this. And every single person who's called time of death on their marriage that I know is like, I do not regret leaving. <laughs> this was not a mistake. This was hard, yes, but like ultimately the best thing I could have done for my life, my family, myself, and frankly, my ex-partner. So there's that. But I still, I loved being married. I love the notion of being a partner with somebody. And for, I don't really think I've ever had that, but I love the the idea of being a true partner, like really being partnered with someone who has your back and, and someone whose back you have. And, you know, you show up as two independent beings in this interdependent life that you've created together. And I just think that's so beautiful. And looking back at my childhood, I'm like, no, that is totally what I always craved. That safety and security of having somebody on my side, of having a family that did feel unified and whole. And so through all the experiences that I've had, it just kind of kept confirming my fears to be true, that I would never have what I wanted. Well, as a spiritual being, I can tell you, I am positive that you want what you want for a reason. And it's not even just optimism in me. It's, it's like this deep knowing. It's not even faith. It's this deep knowing that what you want, you want for a reason. Like you don't have dreams and visions by accident or by chance. You have them for a reason, I would argue, because I think they're part of your soul's like greater purpose and plan for you. And so the fact that I have this deep longing and this deep desire for genuine, authentic, loving, kind, hilarious partnership that that helps to make our family feel even more rooted and safe and grounded and, and and complete. I know that I'm not making that up. I know that I'm not like pining. I know that it's a part of me that I'm longing for. And I think that some of that pain comes from the grief of not having what I know is mine, which is not, not experiencing it yet. If you are into quantum physics, you know what I'm talking about here. It's like happening on a different timeline. It's not mine yet. And that dissonance causes grief and loss. So part of that grief and loss is every single time I looked down at my left hand, it was like I could see this flashing neon sign. You know, they have it like really seedy motels, this like neon flashing arrow of a sign pointing to my ring finger that said vacancy, vacancy, vacancy every single time. So I'm having this moment of like, oh my God, nobody's ever chosen me. Nobody's ever going to choose me juxtaposed by this beautiful crashing wave of opposition and being like, yes, but you chose you. Then look down at my hand and having that like inner child pop up and be like oh yeah I chose me I didn't see you put a ring on it and all of a sudden I was like holy shit girl you're gonna put a ring on that and I had this surge of like this is my creative process this is emotional alchemy at its finest taking something dark heavy unwanted 
something you did not expect and consciously transforming it to make it beautiful, golden, and uniquely your own. So suddenly I looked down at my hand and I was like, well, for fuck's sake, if I could just put a ring on this finger and have that be my own as a declaration of, as a symbol, because that's effectively, effectively what a wedding ring is. It's a symbol that you belong to somebody, which we can dismantle the patriarchy another day. It is a symbol that you belong to someone. And I looked at my hand and I was like, holy shit, if I put a ring on this finger with a whole lot of intention and ritual ceremony behind it, I can declare to myself through this beautiful symbolic way that I belong to me. And I don't know if I've ever felt a stronger, more powerful moment of independent declaration of self-love really and truly. So in that moment, I decided to plan a self-commitment ceremony. And basically what that means is that I took my Pinterest board because you know I have one. I took my Pinterest board of like my elopement in the woods and I created it without the, you know, Ben Affleck slash John Krasinski slash Barack Obama hybrid of a man that I am 100% calling into my life, just not at this moment in time. Um, Everything else, though, I took from that Pinterest board and I made it a reality. I rented a beautiful cabin on Otter Lake in Huntsville, Ontario, so just up north. Um, I initially hired a photographer until randomly, quote unquote, a friend of mine that we've been friends on Instagram. We met through breast cancer and we just had this really kindred, beautiful connection. Her name's Nikki McKean. She's phenomenal. She's going to be a guest on my next podcast, like down the road when it launches in the new year. Nikki randomly reached out to me on Instagram to say something. And we were having a little conversation. And I told her about this self-commitment ceremony because it would be the five-year um, like divorce anniversary or this rebirth day that I like to call it. And she was like, oh my God, please tell me of a photographer. Nikki incidentally is probably the most photographer, the most talented photographer that I know. And, um, she was like, I would love to come with you. So Nikki came with me. We had an amazing weekend. She was the photographer. She took phenomenal photos that I'm going to share in the blog post that gets links linked to this podcast. Um, it was so beautiful. You know, we went into the woods I brought a few years ago, I drove to New York city and I was at a hell's kitchen flea market and found this really stunning, um, vintage Killam runner and any house that I've lived at since the runner hasn't felt in the right place. It's so beautiful and I don't want to let go of it, but it like, hasn't ever felt like it was in the right place. Well, I brought the runner with me to the woods and I was like, Oh, this is why it hasn't ever felt in place. Now it's right at home as this aisle I could walk down. We set up um, this mirror at the end of the carpet or of the runner so that as I wrote these, I, I would read the vows that I wrote, I could read them to myself in the mirror. This was so powerful. You've probably heard me talk about mirror work before, about genuinely looking yourself in the mirror and talking to yourself the way you would talk to your inner child, a friend of yours. It's phenomenally healing and powerful work. And at first it feels a little bit crazy making, but fortunately for me, I've been doing it for a number of years. So it doesn't feel weird anymore. It just feels like a part of my own self-care and self-love practice. So we have the runner, we have the mirror, we have the cabin, we have the woods, we have this phenomenally beautiful radiant beam of light friend photographer. Um, I bought a white dress, like a little cotton dress from H&M. Um, I have a vintage fur stole that I decided to wear. Incidentally, it was like 22 degrees or about 72 degrees. Um, 
which is unseasonably warm for November. Like the snow had melted just before we got there and we arrived and it felt like June, but without any bugs. It was literal heaven in the woods. It was just spectacular. So I had this little white dress, this fur, vintage fur stole. I had my uh, friend who runs a local flower shop. She made me a flower crown in, in shades of blush burgundy and deep emerald green. She made me a hand tied bouquet with the same color palette with like wild grasses and tied with this burgundy ribbon. It was just, it was so beautiful. And I did, I bought myself a very thin, oh, just like minimalist beauty of a gold band. And I had it engraved, frankly. So I wrote my vows Nikki and I went into the woods. I did this ceremony. I played Van Morrison. It was like this. It was this magical moment and declaration that through sickness and through health, in richer and in poorer, in better and worse, through thick and thin, through all of it, from first breath to last and every single breath in between, I have chosen me and I have chosen to commit to loving myself deeply. And when we circle back to why I started this podcast and frankly, why I wrote the book, I was desperately searching at the, the, the most critical, difficult, painful time in my life. And I am not talking about cancer, like through the most challenging part of my life, going from waking up to fully being awake I needed a guidebook to teach me how to do this. I knew I needed to love myself. I knew I needed to accept myself. And I couldn't find any legit resources in one succinct place as to how to do that. So I wrote the fucking book book on it. And then I started this podcast, all from this poem that I found at just the right time, at just the right moment in my life by Raymond Carver called Late Fragment that says... Did you get what you wanted in this life? I did. And what was it that you wanted? To call myself beloved, to feel myself beloved on the earth. And two days later, I had it tattooed on my forearm in my own handwriting. Like I was writing a commitment, a commitment to myself on my own flesh. And that has been such a narrative that in my own life, I was searching, searching, searching for a way in which to truly come home to myself and truly call myself beloved and allow myself to feel beloved on this earth. And five years after the fact, and genuine, probably more like 35 years after the fact, I did it. I figured it out. And beautifully, what I was able to do is take that process of figuring it out and turn it into, coaching doesn't even cut it, turning it into this wisdom sharing platform and practice to teach and empower others to feel themselves beloved and to also to call themselves beloved and to also feel themselves beloved on the earth. And when I went out into the woods and when I walked down that aisle and when I looked myself in my eye and really made this intentional declaration out loud, followed by, you guessed it, going for dinner at an amazing Mexican place where we had tacos, like could not make this up, then came back to the dock and had like this beautiful dance party. There was like a pink and purple sunrise sky. It was just, it was just, it was just so 
beautiful. There was so much more magic that happened on the day, and I'm actually saving that because it's a different context, but it's like a phenomenal story. I'm saving that for the opening episode of my new podcast that'll launch in January. But the day itself, it was just so lovely. And I truly felt in that moment of like, I did it. I have fully embodied and courageously stepped into the next level vision of myself. And in doing so, in really embracing and embodying that next level vision of myself, it became clear to me, if you're familiar with like really intense, deep growth work, you're, you're going to know this too. It became clear to me that in order to move on, that old part of me had to be released. And I really believe that in honoring myself and my experience and my process and my pain and my healing and my journey with that intention-based ceremony, I feel like I was able to put that part of my life to rest and move on in an even healthier, more grounded, more autonomous, more accepting, more embodied way. And wherever you are listening to this right now, I'd like to use this as an invitation to reflect this moment back on to you. There are very few moments in our lives when we are encouraged to stop and celebrate what we're doing. And I know there's an old patriarchal notion that if women do this, if we stop, and frankly, even if men do this, if we stop and celebrate ourselves as arrogant or selfish or cringy, it's not. It's really special. And if we're very busy celebrating the weddings and graduations and baby arrivals and promotions and, 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 and when we're busy celebrating all that for other people, that's so important. It's such a part of, it's such an important part of the fabric of our human connection. But can we just take a minute to zoom out and flip the switch on this perspective and realize how beautifully important it is? to honor ourselves with that same attention and that same celebration, that same intention. I would like you, or I'd like to invite you to pause in this moment and take a nice deep breath in and let it go and really just think about how far you've come. It doesn't matter if you are on like step one of your journey home to yourself or if you're on step like 2001 of the journey home to yourself. It doesn't matter. We are walking each other home. Every step along the way matters. And sometimes we're so close to it, we forget that it matters. We forget the magnitude of our own significance because we get so buried in the details and the logistics and all the things we haven't yet done, all the things we don't yet have. And as I said, I would really like to use this as an opportunity to pause and invite you to get very real and very respectful, very appreciative, and very gently celebratory about how far you have come. I'm going to ask you, can you love yourself enough to appreciate the magnitude of your own significance? Can you love yourself enough to call yourself beloved? Can you love yourself enough to feel yourself beloved on this earth? 
You fucking can. It has been an honor being able to share this space with you to have these conversations. It would be both an honor and a pleasure and frankly a gift to invite you to join me on my next podcast, which somehow will get you the notification about. I don't know how that is yet, but I have a feeling it's just going to work out. Please join me. The next podcast is this, but next level. So if you like this, you're going to love the next one. I, I guarantee that to be true. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for having the courage to be ready to be ready. Thank you for joining me. I'm going to catch you on the flip side. And in the meantime, just know how much you are appreciated, how much you are loved and how deeply you're allowed to love yourself more and more every day. By all means, learn from the past, prepare for your future, but ultimately you have to live in the now. It's fascinating when you just focus on, you know, imagining what the highest version of yourself would do. And then you start to act as if you already are that person. You can watch it transform your behavior right now. We did it. <laughs> Let's go get some tacos. <laughs>